and welcome to episode 28 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, saying hi, kicking it with me today on the stream. If you are watching this live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you're watching this on YouTube over at my YouTube channel, thank you for uh, catching up, watching the video. And of course, if you are listening to this podcast live, thank you so much. If you're listening to the audio version on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, thank you. It has been a week. I was off uh, for a week. We're going to talk about my my week-long hiatus uh, in just a moment, but oh my goodness. We have so much gaming news to get to uh, this week. Uh, some some bad news. Um, I guess no news is good news. Well, that's not true. In the gaming world, you can come up with some good news. You know, they might have announced a new video game um, or, you know, something something exciting. But unfortunately, I have a handful of bad news today. Um, topics such as... The recent Microsoft layoffs, um, plus some other industry-wide layoffs as well. Uh, some Ubisoft news. The Ubisoft uh, news is is not great either. Uh, some Suicide Squad uh, leaked images and information that is that's kind of circling around. Uh, plus some Callisto Protocol news and uh, some EA Sports PGA Tour news. But uh, first, let's get into it with this uh, Microsoft news. Man, this stuff is no good. Um, Microsoft recently announced they're laying off 10,000 staff, a huge layoff. Now, if you don't know, uh, Microsoft currently has about 220,000 people, uh, in its workforce, uh, and it's currently laying off 10,000. That's about four and a half percent of its total workforce. Uh, this news, uh, dropped on Wednesday and, um, it kind of comes off the heels of the one year I don't know, you want to say like one year anniversary um, to the day that Microsoft announced its intentions to buy Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. Now, there's a couple of things here. We're going to get to this news story, but there's a couple of things to consider uh, with this cut. One, uh, we're with these uh, layoffs in general. One, uh, it's not just Microsoft. That is laying off people. Riot Games announced that they're laying off people. Unity announced that they're laying off people. And that's just a couple that I quickly uh, was able to discover uh, while setting up these uh, articles for the podcast today. So we are seeing uh, a large amount of, of the gaming workforce cut, um, you know, whether it be parts of the world experiencing a recession, people maybe not having enough time to to game uh, you know, spend money on games um, or in the case of Ubisoft and Microsoft, some of their games are not coming out. And when they do come out, they're maybe not hitting as hard as they should have uh, or, or could have in some cases. So uh, let's get into it here. According to Bloomberg, uh, Bethesda Game Studios, as well as 343 Industries, uh, 343 Industries, uh, 343, if you don't know, those are the people that made Halo Infinite. They've been making Halo Infinite for a while now uh, since uh, they took it over from Bungie. Uh, were affected. Those are so Bethesda Game Studios, 343, some of the biggest teams uh, impacted by these layoffs. Uh, Microsoft's HoloLens business uh, was also affected. If you don't know, HoloLens is kind of the augmented reality 
headset. So it's hardware um, that uh, Microsoft is making. Microsoft has a deal with, I believe, the U.S. military. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I believe the U.S. military has invested some amount of money into this HoloLens business, you know, for whatever the fuck the U.S. military does. Shoot people, I'm assuming. It's a really simple way of describing the U.S. military. Oh, they shoot people, but fuck it, whatever. Um, that's one of the things that they do. They're not just fucking sitting around the world peeling potatoes. They're shooting motherfuckers. Um, for better or for worse. Some might argue for worse. Um, anyways, let's not talk about the U.S. military. So they have HoloLens. That was also affected by it. Uh, my understanding with the U.S. military uh, is deal with HoloLens is they're not particularly stoked on the headsets that they have bought. And they are not looking to buy any more headsets until Microsoft improves uh, those headsets. So we'll see if and when that happens. Um, another report from Lords of Gaming claimed that 343 had suffered a significant number of layoffs across the company which are allegedly heaviest towards individuals working on single player content uh, for the studio. Uh, Jason Schreier, one of the journalists uh, corroborated this claim uh, states that several employees had indicated it had been hit hard. Now, gosh, let, let's talk Halo Infinite for a moment. Halo Infinite was a long delayed game and it was an ambitious and unique take on Halo for, for, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, it was a single player campaign that uh, was featuring an open world environment, kind of the first for a Halo game. And then, of course, you have the multiplayer, which was a free to play standalone uh, product. So for the first time ever, you could play Halo multiplayer without buying the game. And that's a pretty big deal, considering that, you know, Halo has kind of been synonymous with not only solid, um, complete well-rounded single-player campaigns and story modes, but also having a really robust and popular multiplayer, you know, um, component too. The problem with Halo Infinite, A, long delayed, um, B, um, that multiplayer was pretty thin upon release, um, not connecting with people the way it probably should have. The gameplay in Halo Infinite is really solid. I really think it's a it's a great playing uh, game. I enjoyed my time with the campaign and I enjoyed most of my time with the multiplayer from from what I played. Um, but it really felt like a game that came and went. Remember, when they were positioning Halo Infinite, they were positioning it as like, this is what Halo is going to be for the next 10 years. And uh, what Halo Infinite came out in 2021. That came out two years ago now, right? Yeah, Halo Infinite came out in November of 2021. We're January 2023, and they have gutted a significant number of the of the positions um, in that studio that were working on the game. So to me, now we're looking at a situation where Halo Infinite is, is like probably dead, right? Like if it wasn't dead before, um, it could very well be dead now. Uh, which is unfortunate. I'm not, I'm not like, listen, I'm talking about this from the game perspective at the end. I'll, I'll share some more kind of thoughts on it, but just looking at the, the people that are, are leaving three, four, three, um, and the work that still 
probably should be done on Halo Infinite. You know, that game launched and it just was a half-baked experience. What was there was solid. What was there was good. But for a lot of longtime Halo fans, like, it was kind of too little too late. And I I don't blame them for for kind of you know moving on to other shooters. The shooter market is so competitive. Call of Duty is white hot. Call of Duty has never been this hot. It really hasn't. And that's it's not and that's not factoring in games like Fortnite. That's not factoring in games like Valorant and all the other shooters. Destiny too, right? You know you have the people that are making Halo, making a free to play shooter that is more well rounded. And more feature rich than the free to play shooter that you can find in Halo. So what do you, I mean, how, how does Microsoft compete? You know, you could argue that if the, if the game, if they had delayed the game more than they already had so that it came out and had all of the features that people are looking for, all that you can expect to have from the Halo series in one new game. And maybe they would have had a chance, but at this point, like it really feels like, it is definitely too little too late. And I guess Microsoft's cutting their losses to, to some extent uh, with those folks. Um, Kotaku also claims to have confirmed that a number of developers at the coalition, the coalition is the Vancouver studio um, working on the gears of war series. That is uh, you know, that's uh, near my neck of the woods. A coalition also confirmed a number of layoffs there as well. Um, they have not put out a Gears game in some time, right? And I fully believe that they're working on the sixth Gears of War game. Well, Gears of War 6, it wouldn't technically be the sixth Gears of War game. There have been more than that. But again, a situation where we have not seen a lot of games coming out from these studios, and some of the studios did not produce their best work when those games came out. Now, to me... This is part of a larger issue in that the tech workforce um, across the world is shrinking, you know, whether that be Facebook or Twitter or Microsoft or whoever we're dealing with. Again, recessions, you know, across the world um, and the tightening of the belts and tightening of the bottom line across a lot of these companies. And these companies don't give a shit about the people that made Halo. Why? Because Halo didn't make enough money. Simple as that. And it fucking sucks that these people cannot be relocated to other jobs, right? You know, it always, it feels like the game industry is, is, is constantly shrinking. Again, look at the examples of Unity cutting a bunch of their workforce. Riot, the people that make some of the most popular video games of all time, Valorant and uh, League of Legends. Even those people cannot even keep some of their uh, their team around and are cutting those people. And it just sucks. It's just garbage. Business Insider uh, reporting uh, that the company was deliberately targeting people, um, the company being Microsoft, deliberately targeting people it believed that were underperforming. Motherfucker, how about the management? Like, how about the people in charge of Microsoft? Like, the people pulling the strings. How about those people? Those people are, are underperforming as far as I'm concerned. Come on. If, if you had given people the resources and the time that they needed to make the games that they needed to make as good as they needed to make them, maybe you wouldn't be cutting that, you know. But also, of course, the, you know, the people in charge have golden parachutes. The people in charge need to buy a third, you know, Ferrari, a new yacht. They don't give a shit about the artists, the people, the coders, 
sound engineers, the gameplay designers. They don't give a shit about any of those people. And it fucking sucks. And I hate it. And I hate talking about this news, uh, especially when we're dealing with 10,000 people. That's a, that's a lot of people um, that are now out of jobs. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, they kind of talk about the performance uh, uh, measurement at these uh, at these companies. Uh, previously, managers uh, started a consultation on an employee's performance for as long as six months. Now, if HR agrees the employee has concerning performance, they'll just consider laying off the employee without performance coaching. So basically, we're dealing with a situation where these companies are going to work you to death more than they already are. And the moment you slip up, the moment you underperform, they're just going to cut you. And I think it sucks. I think it's garbage and I hate it. And um, I wish everyone involved um, that's being cut. I hope they land on their feet, move on to something else, move on to something better, maybe a better company, maybe a better industry. Get out of gaming if that's what it takes, right? You know, if you can do it, maybe you'll find something better on the other side. Maybe don't go to Ubisoft, though. Fuck, dude. Ubisoft, what a fucking mess over at Ubisoft. Um, this is this is quite the news story. So so bear with me here, and I, I don't mean to tell it uh, to share this news story the same way. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be all over the place. But bear with me. Ubisoft CEO reportedly apologizes to devs for "ball is in your court" comments. Um, if we had done this podcast last week, we wouldn't be catching up, but here we are. Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, uh, reportedly opening a, uh, open, uh, reportedly opened, excuse me, a company-wide Q&A on Wednesday by apologizing for recent comments he made, which have been poorly received by developers. In an email sent to employees last week, coinciding with the announcement of a product delay cancellations and a reduced earnings forecast. Guillemot reportedly suggests that the onus was on the workers to develop on the company's latest targets in order to reverse its fortunes. Ubisoft's had a rough go at it for the last uh, year or so. Um, I'm going to kind of go through some of the recent Ubisoft games and you tell me if those games uh, mattered in any way, shape or form. Uh, we'll save that till later, but, um, gosh, this kind of, again, goes back to, before we get into this, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying about Microsoft, right? Like they're going to work these folks to death. And when it doesn't work out, even when it's outside of the developers controls, they're still going to say, ah, you fucked up. You didn't do good enough. Right. And it just sucks. In an email sent to employees last week, uh, coinciding with the announcement, um, you know, Sorry, let me uh, let me go forward. Last week, Ubisoft had announced that it was delaying Skull and Bones to the next fiscal year, which could be anywhere between April and March of next year. Uh, for those that don't know, Skull and Bones has been delayed for its sixth time. Six times they've delayed Skull and Bones. Now, there's this part of me that wants to say just fucking cut and run with Skull and Bones, like just fucking kill it. Right. There's no way they're going to be able to recoup and recover all of the time and resources they've spent on this game. There's just no way that Skull and Bones is going to be able to perform the way that Ubisoft does uh, needs it to. But on the other hand, you cut it 
You're going to cut a lot of people in the process. And I don't want those people to be out of jobs. I just don't think that whenever skull and bones comes, like no one's going to give a shit about skull and bones when it comes out. There's just no way. There's just no way because it's not going to be good enough for Ubisoft. Um, you know it. And I know it. Um, during this period, it's also planning to release Assassin's Creed Mirage avatar frontiers of Pandora and other yet to be announced premium games, including a large one as well as promising free-to-play titles for some of our biggest brands. So you have Assassin's Creed Mirage. That's coming out uh, sometime this year. I don't have an exact date. I'll try to pull one up in a, in a bit. And you have Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Let's talk Avatar for just a moment. Um, this is the second uh, Ubisoft-developed Avatar game. The last Avatar game uh, that they made was when the first Avatar game came out. Um, and it was for like PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. It was an open world, you know, kind of action adventure game. And I think Ubisoft has failed to realize just how limiting the appeal of Avatar is, right? I'm not saying that it isn't the most popular movie or film series ever made. Like that first movie is made an insane amount of money. And this second movie has made an insane amount of money, but you know, I think it is appealing to lit. Like I think avatar literally appeals to everyone on this planet. Like they have somehow made a movie that is, uh, so universally enjoyed and, um, engaging with people from every walk of life. Like they've just, they've made the everybody movie. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Marvel, DC, various um, big budget movies are trying to appeal to everyone from every walk of life, for better or for worse. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that that limits the quality of those movies. It's just literally everybody is going to go see Avatar in a way that they're not going to see, you know, Halloween or uh, that's a weird example or other action adventure movies, right? Like they didn't get everyone to go see uncharted the same way they got everybody to see avatar. Well, I don't think that translates into game sales. Like avatar can make $2 billion at the box office. I don't think that translates to people going and picking up this game. It didn't the last time that they made an avatar game, that game didn't set the world on fire the way the movie did. And I don't expect this next game to do it either. So now we're taking that and Skull of Bones and saying, well, how much money do you really need to make for these games to be worth it in the end? And I just don't I don't see that working out. Assassin's Creed Mirage is probably the outlier because Assassin's Creed has been more or less on the upswing since they rebooted it with Assassin's Creed uh, Origins, right? You know, we've had, we've had Odyssey and Valhalla. You can make the argument that those games are too damn big, that they are too bloated with content. They're too repetitive in some of the things that they ask you to do. The open world is too large, especially in the case of uh, Odyssey and um, Valhalla. I think Origins, you know, with it kind of being a refresh uh, of the series, I think it, didn't have as it didn't establish it maybe established some of the bad habits that these later games had but it is not nearly as bloated or or as um overwhelming 
as uh, Odyssey and Valhalla, but Mirage is a much smaller focus game going back to, you know, previous Assassin's Creed games, you know, maybe hearkening back to the days of Assassin's Creed uh, Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed 2 uh, in some cases. So hopefully that smaller scale game also has a smaller budget um, in order to continue to not, you know, maybe reverse some of the breaking of the bank that Ubisoft has been experiencing recently. Free to play games, you know, make sense. Hopefully they can scale uh, accordingly, whether it be scaling the development if the game takes off or being able to support the small fan base that those free to play games attract. We'll see. But Ubisoft needs a win. They need it bad. Uh, in his email to staff, which was reviewed by Kotaku, Guillermo wrote, the ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time and at an expected level of quality and show everyone what we are capable of achieving. His comments appeared to place the burden of responsibility for fixing the company's problems on its developers, but Guillermo has now said that this is not how they were meant to come across. The ball is now in our court for years. It has been in your court, so why did you mishandle the ball so badly so we, the workers, have to fix it for you? Uh, that was a uh, staff question uh, that was included uh, on a list submitted to Ubisoft's management ahead of the meeting that they had. Guillermo reportedly opened the meeting by addressing the question, I've heard your feedback and I'm sorry this was perceived that way, he said. According to the site's sources, when saying the ball is in your court to deliver our lineup on time and at an expected level of quality, I wanted to convey the idea that more than ever, I need your talent and energy to make it happen. This is a collective journey that starts, of course, with myself and the leadership team in order to create the conditions for all of us to succeed together. That is not what Ubisoft has been doing like for a very long time. We have talked about allegations of, of management, uh, mismanagement, um, you know, and, and employee mistreatment and Ubisoft has not delivered a, a work environment that people want to succeed in. So if I'm sitting there working on a Ubisoft game that may or not may or may not get canceled, if I've been working on skull and bones, since the early 1800s, whenever the fuck uh, pirates, pirates probably weren't around in the 1800s, probably around like the 1600. I don't fucking know. The point is that I've been working on um, skull and bones forever and I hear the CEO say this shit. I don't give a fuck anymore. Why would I care? Why would I care? I'm probably going to get let go when the game comes out anyways to middling reviews and and poor uh, and poor audience reception. So why the fuck do I care at this point? Because it seems that Ubisoft, the leadership involved, don't care. They're just going to wash their hands of everything and blame it on somebody else. The shit always runs downhill, people. Like, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The shit always runs downhill. All right? If you can't get out of the way, you know, fast enough, you end up in a situation where you're working for Ubisoft. And it fucking sucks. Um... Following Guillermo's comments last week, the Ubisoft Paris uh, section of tech-focused union Solidaris Informatique called on workers to stage a half-day strike later this month. So now you got unions involved saying, fuck it. They're mistreating you. They don't give a shit about you. You might as well strike. That might teach them a lesson. It has also issued a list of four demands to Ubisoft, including a immediate 
10% increase for all salaries to can compensate for inflation. 10% seems a little low if you're at, if you're asking me, especially with where inflation's at these days, but good for them. Uh, improved working conditions, including the introduction of a four day week. Pay your people and quit working them to death is a reasonable thing to, uh, a request of your company, even when it's a company as shitty as Ubisoft. According to Kotaku sources, the proposed strike wasn't addressed during Wednesday's Q and a, uh, uh, chief people officer Anika Grant did, however, reject a proposal for a four day work week and said raises to match inflation weren't being considered in light of the company's current financial situations. Oh, boo hoo. Ubisoft can't afford to pay its people. Fuck dude. Sounds like Twitter. Sounds like Twitter. Like at some point, are we just going to be like, hey, last one out the door at Ubisoft, just make sure to shut off the lights because we can't afford to pay the electricity bill. Fucking crazy. These are the Assassin's Creed people. These are the Tom Clancy people. And you mean to tell me that they can't afford to, to pay their people? Well, nonsense. Also last week, Ubisoft said it canceled three unannounced games and was planning to strengthen its focus on its biggest brands and live service following weaker than expected software sales over the holiday season. It also announced plans to make some 200 million euros in cost cuts over the next two years through targeted restructuring, divesting some non-core assets and usual natural attrition. Guillermo reportedly remained vague on the subject of potential layoffs on Wednesday. It's not about doing more with less, but finding ways to do things differently across the company. I don't think he's going to take a pay cut. I don't think any of the leadership and the management are going to take a pay cut. They should. They should probably, you know, roll up their sleeves and start coding. Learn to code if they don't. They probably don't know how to code. You think Guillermo knows how to make video games? He doesn't know fucking shit about shit. You ask me. Maybe he should roll up his sleeves and get ready uh, to start uh, getting uh, skull and bones out the door uh, just for him to fire everyone involved when it tanks. I don't want skull and bones to tank. I don't want Ubisoft to fail, but they, unlike Microsoft, which we just talked about, are doing everything wrong in terms of fixing the issues, the issues in in Ubisoft's case, more so than even Microsoft, are coming from the top down. They're absolutely coming from the top down. And you could argue that, yes, you know, Microsoft caught some bad luck or, or maybe Ubisoft caught some bad luck as terms of the gaming marketplace kind of shifting, uh, you know, too quickly, whatever the case may be. But also Microsoft's trying to buy Activision for $69 billion. Like, I don't feel too bad for them either. I feel bad for the people involved. I feel bad for the people that are getting screwed left, right, and center. I feel bad for the people working at Ubisoft, just trying to honest to God, get skull and bones and, you know, Assassin's Creed out the door. And here you have Yugimo saying that it's not good enough. It's like, it's never good enough, right? You know, Ubisoft talked about how um, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope um, was a commercial disappointment for them. The game that has Mario on the cover did not sell enough for Ubisoft. Like what's enough? Like for what, for Ubisoft, what is enough? Because Mario is a pretty big deal. And you mean to tell me that even Mario cannot deliver the expectations? You know, what does that mean for, for Ubisoft going forward? Are their games too big? Are they putting too much money into their games? Is the, is the, you know, timeline 
for these games uh, going on you know, for development? Is the timeline getting way too long? Yes, in the case of Skull and Bones, that game should have been out a long time ago. Not only that, but Ubisoft has been making Beyond Good and Evil for like 15 years now. That game is nowhere to be seen. Last shown, I think, in 2017, they talked about uh, um, Beyond Good and Evil 2. They had fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt out there saying, you, the fans, are going to make... Uh, you, the fans are going to make the next, uh, beyond good and evil, you know, planet or spaceship, or you can make music for the game and all this shit and then went silent. And I think part of that was probably because Ubisoft had plans to put, you know, cryptocurrency and NFTs and all sorts of stupid bullshit into the game. And then when the bottom dropped on cryptocurrency, they were like, fuck, how do we scam, uh, players into making the game for us? Because we can't be bothered to finish it ourselves. Who knows, dude? Ubisoft's a real mess. And also the other thing with Ubisoft is like you could go play an older Ubisoft game and have a completely fine experience, right? Like go pick up Assassin's Creed Origins if you haven't played it and you're going to have a perfectly fine time with it. And you're not going to be sitting there being like, hmm, I wonder if there's something better coming out, you know, anytime soon. Like they haven't done much different between Assassin's Creed Origins to Valhalla. So if you go pick up any one of those games, Origins, Odyssey, or Valhalla, you're going to have a fine time. I think those games are good. I think those games are fine. Same thing with The Division 2. They just put out The Division 2 on Steam, but if you were to go pick up Division 2 on a PS4 or, or Xbox or whatever, um, again, it's not the latest Ubisoft game, and I'm sure they'd really like you to buy, you know, fucking uh, Rainbow Six Extraction. But Siege is a fine game, you know, Division 2 is a fine game. You don't need to go buy the latest Ubisoft games because they're not different enough. Probably the last big Ubisoft game to come out was Far Cry 6. And God, Far Cry 6 needs, needed, well it's already out now so they can't, can't change it. But they needed something different with Far Cry. And Far Cry 6 was not different enough. So, uh... I would put a lot of those Ubisoft titles on ice and try to come up with something new, try to come up with something different or bring back much older franchises and series that we have not seen in some time. The world does not need Far Cry 7. I'm sorry if you're making Far Cry 7. The world does not need it. The world probably doesn't need yet another Rainbow Six game. Might not even need The Division. And we'll see how this Assassin's Creed stuff goes. You know, on the podcast, we've talked about Ubisoft's ambitious Assassin's Creed plans. That could all go, you know, belly up if Mirage doesn't connect with people. But we'll see. Speaking of concerns of uh, of upcoming games, uh, leaked Suicide Squad image appears to confirm Battle Pass and more. But sources tell Video Games Chronicles it is dedicated to cosmetics. So, Battle Passes are... They're not that new in the grand scheme of things, but they are fairly new in, in, in the history of gaming, right? Battle passes, of course, being these upgrade uh, unlock progression systems in games that you can either buy with real money or that you get for free or are just free, no paid, um, you know, possibilities for it. And, you know, you will play the game and, uh, unlock various cosmetics 
or abilities or upgrades or items um, every time you rank up in that battle pass. I remember sending a text message uh, to somebody explaining the concept of battle passes, and I just felt like I was the fucking craziest person in the world like in the context of destiny 2 like okay anything you do like earns you experience and then that experience gets converted into you know um points that go to this battle pass and as you rank from one to a hundred you can earn different shit per ranking and it's just like fucking like it just gets so crazy the other thing is that battle passes are often time limited things right so destiny 2's battle pass probably only going to run for about, I don't know, 60 to 90 days. Meaning if you don't play enough of the game, you'll miss out on those unlocks and you won't be able to get them. And on top of that, if you buy the premium version of that battle pass, you could end up wasting your money. If you don't spend enough time earning everything that there is to get in that battle pass in that time limit. So to think that they've now put this type of system in the next video game from the people that brought you Batman Arkham Asylum, a game that did not have any of that bullshit, is a real disappointment. As a lot of people worried about the uh, what the Suicide Squad uh, Kill the Justice League game is going to be. I know I'm concerned, right? Could this end up being just like Marvel's Avengers? You know, a game that tried to hook people on its online systems and community and multiplayer. And in the end, the best thing it was probably known for was its single player story. Right. I would say a lot of people are coming to suicide squad, kill the justice league for that single player story experience that the people that made some of the best single player, Batman, the not some of the best single player, Batman games of all time. Um, you know, have made in the past, right? This is from Rocksteady. These are the Batman Arkham Asylum people. And yeah, now we see it filled with, you know, the same, the same old, same old concepts that appear in a bunch of other games, right? Um, one thing to note is that the, the, there was an image floating around that image showed multiple currencies. So multiple um, currencies in the game. It also showed um, online matchmaking. Um, it showed thank you so much to everybody in the in the chat. Subjective Sins Infinity Stream Community. Thank you all for saying yeet in the chat. Um, it showed so, so that screenshot of of uh, Suicide Squad showed multiple currencies. It showed uh, player select screen. It showed like matchmaking. Like hey, did you want to play this game? You know this single player or multiplayer. And it also showed a button that just said battle pass. It didn't show the battle pass itself, but it did show um, that there was some type of battle pass. So that image was floating around on Twitter. I shared it. I then got an email saying that my Twitter account had been locked uh, because of a DMCA strike on my account for sharing this leaked image. Um, it wasn't just me that was sharing it. There's a bunch of people that were sharing it. I swear it wasn't just me. Um, so I started freaking out being like, oh, fuck. Is this what Twitter is? Is is this what Twitter has become? Can't even post a screenshot of a leaked video game without our shit getting taken down. My account's fine. It's back up and running. No problem. Um, now, it seems 
to me and, and everybody involved that this battle pass is primarily going to focus on cosmetic items such as skins, costumes, or weapon skins, right? You can change the way your weapon looks, change the way King Shark looks, Dead Shark, uh, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, whatever. Um, the problem is, is that you didn't need to grind out a battle pass and play the game obsessively to get the unlocks and get the character skins in Batman. Now, in fairness, Batman Arkham Asylum does not have the same amount of character skins as Batman um, Arkham uh, City and Arkham Knight. You know, Arkham Knight, of course, introduces the uh, Batmobile that has a bunch of uh, skins associated with it, plus various amounts of skins um, in uh, for Batman and also other characters that appear in that game, in those games. It just stinks, man. Um, in addition, the various currencies shown at the top of the leaked image are understood to be experienced to use to power up uh, and customize the skill trees of each character, effectively making them unique to the player. You don't start off debuffed and weak. Uh, Video Games Chronicles of Stolt, you start off great and can get ridiculous like Arkham Knight's Batman. Now, in fairness, Batman Arkham Knight does start with a pretty powerful Batman compared to the previous unlocks and abilities in the other games, and then you just become a killing machine. Well, uh, not a killing machine. Batman doesn't kill people. Um... But you become a real bad motherfucker by the time Batman Arkham Knight is over. Um, it is also going to be an open world, you know, shooter, right? Like this is a standard ish looking third person, you know, hero based ability based shooter with solo or co-op. And, you know, Justice League, uh, su sorry, Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League uh, has been confirmed to come out for May 26th on PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. I hope it's good. Man, that'd be great. Like, I hope they turn this around, but, uh, you know, public perception as of right now is that this game does not look so hot, or at the very least is not what people want out of the next game from the Batman Arkham Asylum people. Kalista Protocol. Let's talk Kalista Protocol. Kalista Protocol has reportedly not met its sales uh, targets. The game released to mixed reviews um, back in December, like early December, early December, mid-December, I forget. Uh, Kalista Protocol has reportedly seen disappointing sales numbers, failing to recoup a reported $162 million budget. This has caused investors in publisher Crafton to lower their target stock price in response. Um, game reportedly cost uh, over uh, over 160, uh, sorry, $150 billion, uh, sorry, 100, not 100 billion, well, not a billion, 162, reportedly cost $162 million to make. During the development, the game was referred to as a quadruple A game, uh, suggesting that no expense was spared, despite the game being a new intellectual property in a niche genre that rarely produces massive sales numbers. Yes, horror games, horror games do not make Call of Duty money. They, do, they don't, right? Even when you are the biggest of the biggest horror games, which at this point is pretty much Resident Evil. Like that, that's it. Like there's no other big horror franchise, um, out there. No offense to silent Hill, 
No offense to Dead Space. No offense to whatever alien game is coming out. But really, the only true king in the horror game genre is Resident Evil. And Resident Evil does not make Call of Duty money. It does not make... it. Even... even I just don't know why anyone would think that um, the Callisto Protocol was going to sell as many copies as it did. For comparison, Resident Evil Village, which is the eighth game, um, uh, managed to sell six million units in its first six months. Right? Whereas in the case of Callisto Protocol, it is currently looking at, according to Samsung Securities, Crafton has expected the Kalisa protocol to sell around 5 million copies. However, considering the current sales ranking, it has only sold about 2 million copies. Or sorry, it's not even expected to sell 2 million copies this year. So, Resident Evil, you consider Dead by Daylight to be a horror game. I've always considered it more of a strategy game, even though it's basically a horror tag game. I mean, I think Dead by Daylight is a horror game. Uh, people in chat asking about uh, Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight is is undoubtedly a horror game in, in terms of the, the elements uh, and the tone of it. But it is a multiplayer. It's I would consider it more of a multiplayer action game than I would or, or, or you know, multiplayer strategy game than I would a, a traditional horror game. If someone came up to me and said, hey, I really like the Callisto Protocol. Do you think I would like Dead by Daylight? I would say, probably not. No, you know, I, I probably wouldn't. Even if you were a Resident Evil fan, I, I don't know if I would recommend something like Dead by Daylight. I think if you were a big multiplayer gamer, uh, I would say, great, you should probably check out uh, Dead by Daylight um, because you might enjoy it. You can't just be a horror. Like, I guess the reason why I wouldn't consider Dead by Daylight to be a traditional horror game is because you being a fan of horror or horror movies or horror games might not be enough to get you in the door, right? Same thing with that uh, Friday the 13th game. Same thing with the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Evil Dead, or um, that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Like those are all multiplayer games. And unless they're going to have a traditional story campaign to them, um, I don't know. Like I would describe it as a multiplayer horror game. I would not describe it as a horror multiplayer game. Does that make sense? Right? Like it is a multiplayer game first that happens to have the horror trappings to them. Right. And I would say the same thing with some of the Resident Evil multiplayer games. You know, they are they are multiplayer games. First horror game. Second. Um, now, to me, there are still, you know, horror games that are out there when we think about. Um, oh, gosh. What is the. Um, uh, Phasma. Oh, what the hell? Phasma. The, the, the ghost game. Phasmophobia. So in Phasmophobia. Uh, you are a, you know, the, the, these paranormal adventurers, uh, going through haunted houses and, and trying to capture the ghosts that are hiding in the, in the house. I think that is more of a horror game than dead by daylight because you are expecting some type of jump scare. You're expecting some type of tension that 
can definitely come in the form of, of dead by daylight. But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, like dead by daylight is tag, like, like dead by daylight is tag the video game. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But even when you take characters like, you know, Leatherface or Michael Myers or the guy from saw, you know, playing tag with those characters can only be so scary. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying dead by daylight isn't a horror game. I just think it is more of a multiplayer first game than a, uh, than a horror game. Uh, where of course you take a look at Kalista protocol, Kalista protocol has action in it and, and all that stuff, but it is definitely trying to be a horror game. And again, I just think in this scenario, like they were completely off like 5 million copies sold and they're not even at two. Um, seems like, uh, it's a horrific tag is sure. It is a horrific game of tag. I would not want to play a game of tag with the people involved, the characters involved in dead by daylight, but that game is pretty much tag. Um, and there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I played a little bit of dead by daylight. It seems like a cool multiplayer game. Just not for me. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I think any less of it because it is not for me. I just don't know if I would again, if you came to me saying nitwit, give me a, recommend me a horror game. It would take me a while before I got, uh, to dead by daylight. Um, police of protocol expected to sell 5 million copies and they are, you know, at about 2 million. So we'll see. We'll see if they get there. The other thing with Callisto protocol is they did a lot of updates and a lot of work to the game after it came out. So it came out to, to middling reviews. You know, as we know, we're looking at anywhere from a seven out of 10 from IGN five out of 10 from games, uh, GameSpot, uh, and, and higher reviews, lower reviews currently at about a mid seventies on Metacritic. And now, if you were to go buy that game, a, you can probably find the game for at least 20 bucks off, which the people involved probably don't want you to buy it for full price, but whatever. Um, they've also done a lot of work to the game. You know, they have changed a lot of the, the difficulty balancing and animations and, and a lot of gameplay improvements have been added since the game came out. So you're almost punished you were almost punished for buying the game when it came out. Uh, uh, diddly dip asking when uh, Kalisa protocol came out, Kalisa protocol came out in December and it is sold about 2 million copies, uh, since then with an expected sales target of 5 million. So I'm telling you that there's probably never been a better time to play the Kalisto protocol. Unfortunately, Kalisto protocol doesn't run and perform super great on Xbox and on PC. If you have it on the best version of Kalisto protocols on PlayStation five, um, from, from all reports that it is, it has the best graphics. It has the best performance, uh, most stable gameplay uh, around. And if you bought it, when it came out, you were kind of screwed because now the game is a lot different. Um, with all of its recent updates. So why you have to give people a reason to buy the game day one in a world where people are subscribing to things like game pass in a world where people are subscribing to things like PlayStation plus buying games on sale, going through their backlog of games. You got to give people a damn good reason to pay full price for a game day one. And I don't think the Kalista protocol did that. 
And as a result, you know, the, the sales numbers reflect that. That's all I really have to say about Kalista protocol. Um, let's talk uh, a new game announcement after a year delay. EA Sports' PGA Tour has a release date. We're back to golf, baby. Back to golf. Notice, no Tiger. Well, no Tiger on the, on the, in the name anyways. Um, what is this game actually called? It is called EA Sports PGA Tour. It's not EA Sports Tiger Woods. It's not EA Sports Cheat on Your Wife. Oh, whatever that, that, that's, that's, that's an old joke. That's an old joke at this point. All right. It's fine. It's fine. Following a year long delay, electronic arts has confirmed its new PGA tour game will finally release on March 24th, 2023 for PlayStation five, Xbox series X and S and PC. Uh, so if you like, if you like sports, well, if you like sports, then that means you probably don't like golf because golf's not a real sport, right? No, I'm joking. That's another bad joke. People in chat supporting my bad jokes, and I appreciate it, but uh, still. Announced in March 2021, EA Sports PGA Tour is the publisher's first major golf game since it stopped using the license in 2015. The game is in development at Madden Studio EA Tiburon and was originally due uh, for spring of 2022. EA announced a year-long delay last March with little explanation, and now it is coming out in March of this year. Um, what do we got here? We got some quotes. Um, EA released the official gameplay trailer featuring the all new pure strike shot system. So, uh, get ready to golf. Like you've never golfed before. Motherfucker. Uh, that's not what EA said. That's not the quote. Uh, the quote is we're bringing the premier PGA tour experience to players around the world with real world golf data, powering incredibly realistic gameplay with every shot and some of the most iconic courses in the world rendered in painstaking detail, said Cam Weber, EVP and GM of EA sports in a prepared statement. Um, from the Cree, uh, from the old course at St. Andrew links to Pebble beach golf links and more, we're giving players a chance to tee off in bucket list golf experience like never before e EA sports PGA tour previously EA, uh, published PGA tour games between 1990 and 2015, including 16 titles endorsed by tiger woods and the most recent one by Rory McIlroy. Just so you know, that Rory McIlroy game is terrible. Like, say what you will about the Tiger Woods games. The Tiger Woods have had some good games. I would say the best Tiger Woods games are probably on the PS2 and, like, early 360 and PS3. But uh, that Roy McIlroy game, whoo, boy, that game stunk. That game was so bad that in 2020, uh, 2K Sports published PGA Tour 20, uh, 2K21, right? It stunk so bad that the PGA Tour decided to do business with somebody else. Um... Last year, it announced uh, a long-term partnership with Tiger Woods. Okay, so there you go. So people asking Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, what's up with Tiger Woods? Uh, Tiger Woods is now with PG, uh, with uh, 2K. So 2K Sports is going to do Tiger Woods games and EA is going to do PGA Tour games. So I guess like my question is like, what do you care more about? Do you care more about Tiger Woods? Or do you care more about the, the PGA Tour, right? If you were to buy a golf game, do you want the one that has the PGA Tours and the Masters in it? Or is it the one that has Tiger Woods in it? To me... I'd rather just play hot shots golf. <laughs> I'd rather play hot shots golf, or I guess everybody's golf. I'd rather play Mario golf. I'd rather play not real golf. 
um, I guess is where I'm at with, with golf games. I mean, listen, this new pure strike shot system could fucking blow you away <laughs> or, or not. I don't know what, yeah. You know what? We sports. That's right. I would rather sw- dude, everyone in chat saying we sports. Yes. I'd rather play we golf, uh, in, instead of, uh, instead of PGA tour or, um, Tiger Woods golf or, or again, I like hot shots and, and Mario golf is good too. Um, dude, who would have thought competing golf games work so well for competing soccer games, right? People might not even know that there's other soccer games besides FIFA, but, but here we are. Listen, I think competition in the sports gaming space is good. I wish there was more of it. I wish there was somebody making a competing football game. I wish there was somebody making a competing wrestling game. Well, okay. In fairness, we are getting a competitive wrestling game or a competing wrestling game. We'll see. We'll see what, uh, see what happens there. Um, you know, I wish people were making a uh, competing NHL game or at least another hockey game. If you can't get the NHL license, at least try to make a, 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 a hockey game. The problem is, is that people care so much about the licenses, right? People don't want to play an MMA game. People want to play the UFC game. And if you're in this UFC games are actually not bad. They're some of the better sports games that uh, EA has made, but people aren't going to play a XFL game. They're not going to play a CFL game. They're not going to play a, arena football league game. No, they want John motherfucking Madden NFL, right? And they don't give a shit about anything else. They should because those Madden games have not been so hot recently. But again, that's why I asked the question, what do you care more about? Do you care more about the PGA tour? Do you care more about uh, Tiger Woods? Because that's going to be the choice that you have to make when you're looking at two competing golf products that don't have the same licenses. All right. That is it for news. Oh my goodness. That is, that is it for news, but we're not done this show. Uh, not by a long shot. I want to talk about my week long hiatus. So we did not do the podcast last week, um, because a week and a half ago at this point, I really fucked up my computer. Um, I fucked up my computer and that's what, uh, got in the way of all my streaming, all my content, Um, so what happened was, is that I have, you know, a a gaming computer, uh, with a variety of hard drives, uh, on it. One of those hard drives, uh, being my, uh, operating system drive It's the drive that has windows on it. Plus all my apps and programs and all that shit. And it was a smaller hard drive, like a 480 gigabyte, uh, hard drive. Five, no, eight, eight years ago, almost eight years ago. Now, when I, when I originally, was building, you know, parts of this computer. This is not the original computer that I had eight years ago, but it is the original hard drive that I had in that computer, uh, eight years ago, uh, eight years ago, 480 gigabytes for an OS uh, operating system drive seemed like enough. It seemed like enough. Um, but that stopped being the case a while ago and I just never got around to upgrading it. So what happened was I, I bought a new hard drive. I've got a two terabyte Samsung uh, SSD drive and I was cloning the drive. So basically I was moving all of my windows data, everything from the operating system drive, the current operating system drive to the new operating system drive. And, uh, it worked out fine. No issues. Um, switched, uh, went into my, um, uh, my BIOS in my motherboard and said, told my computer, Hey, launch windows from this hard drive. 
launched Windows from this hard drive from that hard drive, no problem. I was playing games. I was playing some Jedi Fallen Order. We'll talk about Jedi Fallen Order in just a bit. It was working good, no problem. And then I went to turn off the computer and the computer would not turn off. It was like, hey, like it just kept I kept trying to turn it off and it would not turn off. Um so I instead did a restart of the computer, restarted the computer, blue screen of death, saying, Hey, your Windows is all fucked. Can't launch Windows. And I was like, ah shit. Uh, because I had already erased the 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 old drive uh when I when I replaced it. So eventually took it in to get it looked at at a shop near me. The great guys, by the way, they do amazing work. Um, and they tested all of my hardware. They tested everything to make sure everything was up and running, which is partially what took so long. You know, I have a significant number of hard drives in this computer. I was just upgrading one of them. I have a lot of Ram in this computer. I have like 48 gigabytes of Ram, uh, in this computer. I have, you know, terabytes of, of storage across a variety of hard drives. And, um, they had to test it. They tested everything and they were like, yep, everything is fine. We just need to reinstall windows, reinstall windows and like 200 ish bucks later. And I get my computer back and I had to reinstall everything. I had to kind of set up a lot of stuff from scratch, which took me a while to do, which is why even though I got my computer back last Thursday, last week, I did not stream Friday and I haven't been streaming. Uh, I started just started. I was just, I'm back since Wednesday, yesterday, uh, Wednesday for lack of a better word. So, that is my two week hiatus. That is or, or my week and a half ish long hiatus. Uh, I am never going to break this computer again. Fingers crossed. Uh, that is my plan. I have had time to play a variety of games. Um, I'm just going to say right now that except for the odd destiny Two stream, I am probably done with destiny two until Lightfall comes out. Like I really, I really don't want to spend much more time in destiny. I'll probably stream it every now and then. Um, but for now, thank you, uh, infinity stream community for the follow. Appreciate it. Um, boom, boom, close that. Oh, this window is too small. That's what's going on. Okay. That's good. All right. So I don't want to spend any more time with destiny two than I really want to like light falls coming out later this year. I'll just play that. I don't know if I want to fuck around with any of the old content in destiny two, but I might do the odd destiny two stream every now and then just get, you know, get my rocks off for an hour or two and then move on to something else. Uh, speaking of moving on to something else, I really want to finish Jedi fallen order before uh, Jedi survivor comes out. I played a little bit of Jedi fallen order uh, last year and I bounced off of it. Um, and I thought, you know what? Like it's not that long of a game. Like you're probably looking at about 20 ish hours play Jedi fallen order. Um, let's just put our heads down. Let's, 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 uh, sit down and, and fucking play through that game. And I don't particularly love Jedi fallen order. It's one of those things where like, it's not that hard of a game. It's not that long of a game, but I'm not particularly loving my time with it. Um, it is a game that is fairly rough around the edges. Like the core of Jedi fallen order is a good game. Like they have a lot of good ideas. Um, they have a lot of, uh, of promise and potential. Um, let's talk, let's talk promise and potential. I think graphically that game looks okay, except for the part where the Wookiees look like fucking nightmares, the, the wet spaghetti looking gross looking Wookiees, the Wookiees in Jedi fallen order are fucking disgusting. As far as I'm concerned, they look hor horrible. Um, 
but you know, we're, we're dealing with, uh, some, some pretty fun characters in a pretty boring story. Like that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like for every, like, um, nice thing I have to say about Jedi Fallen Order, there's probably like one thing that I would say that's like, ah, but this could have been better. You know, I think some of the traversal, um, and, and, and puzzle stuff and, and, and the movement and the abilities are decent, but I think the level design is not that fun. I think, uh, some of the, the pacing is a little monotonous, right? But I like the part where I'm cutting people with a lightsaber and force powers and all that shit. Um, but there's just parts of it that just kind of drag. There's parts of it that drag. Like, I think, again, I think the story is not that exciting, but I think the characters are really good. So it's like, fuck, like, can we get these people a better script, please? Come on. So that's why, like, I'm kind of torn on continuing to play it because I know or I have a good feeling that, you know, Jedi Survivor, when that game comes out, will probably fix a lot of the issues that people have had uh, with Jedi Fallen Order, myself included. Played a little bit of Resident Evil 8 Village. Uh, my plan is to get Village finished before Resident Evil 4 Remake comes out. Um, I have Resident Evil 4 Remake pre-ordered already. Looking forward to that. Sorry, Kalisto Protocol, that I chose Resident Evil over um, Resident Evil over you. Um, but look, man, like I got way into Resident Evil last year. Like between playing uh, Resident Evil 7 uh, Resident Evil two remake and Resident Evil three remake. Like I have turned into a Resident Evil fan, not a big enough of a fan to enjoy that recent Netflix show, but I guess I'm not the only one who didn't enjoy it since it got canceled after one season. But, um, going back, starting with Resident Evil seven and then going to two and then three and then to eight has been a really interesting, a really interesting thing happened. And it made me realize that like, Capcom is really delivering every type of Resident Evil experience that you could want in the sense that if you were looking for a more traditional Resident Evil experience, play two, play three, play four, right? Play those recent remakes. If you want something that at its core is still a Resident Evil game, but everything else around it is kind of unlike anything Resident Evil has done before. Go and play seven, go and play eight. The reason why I say that is because Resident Evil in first person in seven and in eight village is way scarier, way, way scarier than in Resident Evil two and uh, three. Uh, Resident Evil seven is fucking disgusting. It's gross. It is horrifying in a way that Resident Evil two and three is not right. The other thing is that we're dealing with different types of horror, right? You know, we're kind of dealing with more Gothic horror in, uh, in Resident Evil eight village, right. You know, taking place in, in Europe and, and, and dealing with, uh, you know, creatures and, and, and monsters and, and horror that you just didn't see in, uh, in Resident Evil in the past. The problem with the Resident Evil 7 and 8 games is that they would maybe be better games if they didn't have to tie all of the cool, unique shit that they're doing back to Resident Evil in general, right? And, and I'm not going to spoil anything um, because you should, you should play those games if you haven't, like, 
those games are, are, are all fabulous, whether you play two, three, uh, seven or eight. But when they come up with all these cool ideas and then they have to come up for a reason why they exist in the larger context of the Resident Evil universe, you're like, man, you could almost take Resident Evil off of the, the, the Resident Evil name off of this list and have uh, more freedom to do continue to do cool shit in those games. Again, the part where you're managing your inventory, the part where you're, you know, using typewriters for saving the part where you have to, you know, get keys to, to unlock doors and, and manage your inventory and manage your ammo and all that stuff. It is still a Resident Evil game at its core, but, uh, the, the tones that it is, that it is evoking the style that it is going for is unlike anything in those traditional Resident Evil games. The problem is that they do have to connect it back to the larger Resident Evil universe and lore. And that's where I think things start to fall apart just a little bit. I'm very, very early in Resident Evil eight village. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Um, that's probably just going to be a thing I'm going to play on my own. And I'll talk about it more on the show as I continue playing it. No spoilers, no need to worry. And uh, the game that I was streaming and I'm going to continue to stream is my time at Sandrock. Um, this is the follow-up game, uh, the sequel, for lack of a better word, to my time at Porsche, which is an it is a mix of like a farming and crafting game meets like a social like dating simulator meets an action role-playing game. It's a, got a lot going on. So how would I? How would I put this? So my, my time at Porsche, which if you haven't played it, it's a, it's a fabulous game. It's out on PlayStation and uh, Xbox and PC and Nintendo switch. And the premise of the game is that you, you know, uh, are this farmer builder person that is the new, the new kid on block, this new person in town. And you're kind of there to start a new life and, and, and help the town as part of the process. So you can go cutting trees down to get wood and use that wood to build weapons and, you know, various, um, items, um, and tools and, and structures. Uh, you can go mining for, for resources. You can do a lot of gathering of natural material out there in the world. You can also go hunting monsters and enemies for gold and, and, and various resources and scrap that you can sell and, and all of that stuff. And you can then turn those resources around into doing things like, Oh, I built uh, a street light and I can use that street light to, you know, the, the town is going to pay me money to increase the, the lighting in the area. So we're going to build, um, we're going to build street lights for the town or we're going to build a new, um, a new water wheel for the town or, Oh, the farmers cows keep running away. So I'm going to build them a new fence. Um, and in turn, they're going to teach me how to have my own cows and, you know, get my own milk and all that stuff. It in, and it's kind of in this like, you know, kind of artsy cutesy looking, um, you know, art style. This is not some like, you're not fucking ripping, you're not skinning cows or any, you know, thing like that is a very cute cartoony um, art style to it. That is my time at Porsche. 
my time at Sandrock is pretty much the same thing, but you're in the desert. So you are managing things like you can't cut down as many trees because you need the trees for the environment, save the environment. And also there's not a lot of water to go around. So managing your water resources uh, is more of a challenge as well. The game, uh, my time at Sandrock seems to take a more environmentalist style approach to it of like, Hey, don't go, don't cut down the trees and a conserve your water because water is really expensive in the game. And there are recycling processes you can do uh, with your material. You know, for example, if you cut down a tree and that tree has dew, you can collect that dew and then recycle that dew into water that you can use to power your machines, right? Your machines can be things like, oh, I have a cutter. So when I take a, when I smelt copper ore, I can take that ore to, or uh, when I smelt the copper ore into a bar, I can take that copper bar. Uh, to my cutter and I can use that cutter to make bolts so I can, you know, screw things into uh, this, uh, this crane that I'm building or, or, or whatever. And um, it is on a, it kind of, the game kind of works on like a, on like a day to day schedule. So you will wake up in the morning at 7am. You'll have a certain amount of energy that you can spend doing tasks. So, you know, cutting wood is going to take a certain amount of energy. Mining is going to take a certain amount of energy. Fighting enemies can take a certain amount of energy. And um, once you have run out of energy, you can eat food to recover your energy. You can sit, you can like sit down in a chair to recover your energy, or you can just call it a day and go back to bed. And then the kind of the, the, the cycle repeats itself. Uh, you can, you know, level up your character to be more proficient in wood cutting or mining or fighting. You can buy clothes, you have a house, you can upgrade your house and put, you know, various furniture in the house. You can, you know, expand your farm to include things like livestock, to include things like, uh, you know, more advanced machinery. You can upgrade your weapons. You can talk to people in town. Um, as the town builder, you can get commissions. So someone might say, I'm going to pay you a thousand gold. I want you to build me six chairs, right? And then you go look at your resources. You cut down the wood that you need and you make the chairs, give the chairs to that person and your reputation with the town and, and the people in general will increase so you can become friends or friends with benefits or more or whatever with those people. Um, and you'll get various perks and bonuses for increasing your relationship status with the town. Um, your your building, uh, your, your, your farm can become more popular, getting you uh, better commissions, higher paying commissions, more advanced commissions. Um, and it's all in this open world that you kind of run around in. And uh, I'm having a great time with my time at Sandrock. Again, everything that I just told you about my time at Sandrock can apply to my time at Porsche. It's just that I've already played my time at Porsche and um, we're moving on to the new game. Uh, my time at Sandrock is in early access. It, it has been in early access um, since uh, last year. Um, the reports are that my time at Sandrock is going to ex exit early access uh, sometime later this year. So I'm playing the game. The game's not done. There are some rough parts. Um, they're pretty upfront about what is and isn't in the game. They're adding multiplayer, but currently multiplayer is in like this test uh, state. I don't really necessarily care about playing multiplayer, but maybe I'll check it, check it out. Go farming with some friends or whatever. Um, but again, like if you want the full complete experience, you could just go play uh, my time at Porsche, uh, Portia, Porsche, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you want 
Um, but I'm having a great time with my time at Sand Rock. Like it is, you know, all that carrot on a stick, like, oh, just one more day of, you know, of hunting one more day of, of cutting wood or whatever. Uh, that carrot on a stick approach, uh, is, is a lot for me. Again, the story is, Hey, you're the new builder in town, help people with their various, you know, needs and wants. And, uh, and there is an, oh, a bigger story to it, but I haven't gotten too far in that story. Cause I'm fucking running around. Like I'm like digging through junk. I'm like hitting, you know, busted up, uh, cars with my pickaxe and being like, okay, I can sell this scrap and I can use this to buy this and I can use this to build this. And, oh, if I build this, then I can, you know, upgrade this and whatever. And again, there's just a lot, there's so much that you can do. It can definitely feel a little overwhelming in terms of like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to just spend all day collecting wood? Do you want to spend all day mining? Like, what do you want to do? And what do you want to do the next day? And so on and so forth. Um, there are, you can create your own, you're making your own character. So that allows you to, you know, approach the various characters, however you want in terms of friendly, romantic, so on and so forth. Again, this game is pretty much my time at Porsche but in the desert, but that's enough for me, at least for right now. Um, there are definitely some improvements. The inventory is a little bit better. The way that you manage your resources is a little bit more streamlined compared to my time at Porsche, but uh, I am just having too much fun to stop. And that's definitely going to be a game that I'm going to continue to stream uh, more and more. I think tomorrow, Friday, um, if you're here, come by the podcast, uh, sorry, come by the stream, excuse me. We're going to probably play some Forza Horizon 5. I think it's a high time we get back to a little bit of racing and then next week we'll play more um my time at sand rock looking forward to that dead space remake i did play a little bit of that original dead space just enough to remind myself kind of what dead space was all about uh we'll definitely be covering uh dead space uh the dead space remake when it comes out of course when jedi survivor comes out we'll cover that we'll do podcasts we'll do streams will do videos same thing with uh, jedi survivor same thing with dead space same thing with resident evil 4 remake and same thing with destiny and everything else that comes out this year so for more content head over to my linktree linktree.com slash g-n-i-t-t-w-i-t-t twitch twitter youtube instagram all of that very good stuff the uh nitwit uh, website is coming soon I'm building that as we speak. That'll be coming out uh, as soon as possible. I will give you more information for that. Hoping to maybe have some unique content available for visitors of the website as well. Working on that. We'll hopefully get that done as soon as possible. Um, Linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all of that. Very good stuff. Tell a friend, tell your fam about the Glitch Report podcast. Live every Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time audio and video versions of the podcast out Friday mornings. Come on back Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for more streaming. I am live Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays over at twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T for all of my live gaming, live streaming business. I have been Nitwit. This has been Glitch Report episode 28. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Take it easy.